So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go. There's not even a little poem to read at the beginning of this one. I know. Well, there is a psalm at the, on the first page. Oh, did you want to? Did you want to go ahead and read that psalm? It's just one line. It is good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And which psalm is that? Psalm 92, verse one. Uh, what, for, for people who don't know, what is a psalm? A psalm is kind of like a poem. Um, some of them are songs. Some of them aren't. They're like short little uh, poem prayers to God. Yeah. Often why, sung. Why, why are they there? Like, who? why are they in this book? I mean, well, and not in the yeah. Berenstain Bears book, but like in the Bible in general. <laughs> oh, that's a longer story. Uh, well, some traditions say that King David wrote all the Psalms, which is not accurate. He wrote some Psalms. King David did. And um, they, whoever codified the Bible, put them in. Hmm. That's just the answer. I mean, they're in the Old Testament, so it's from the, the Jewish tradition. And when they codified, codified the Bible, it took lots and lots of councils and meetings to choose what book went where and all that stuff. So Yeah. That's a, lo that's a short answer to a very long, long That's, that's <laughs> long a short story. answer. <laughs> I don't know what it has to do with this book, though, because there's a lot more than just giving thanks going on in this story. Right, because the psalms are, are usually divided into themes. So there's psalms uh -huh. of thanksgiving, there's psalms of lament, like, why mm -hmm. are you doing this to me, God? You suck. There's a bunch of those. Um, help, help, I'm being murdered. There's, that's another psalm. Why it's didn't we get that psalm in Halloween? That would have been perfect. <laughs> it's a, they dash our children against the rocks. The oh, that one. That's the one, that, uh, that's the one that people always pull out when they're like, ha-ha, gotcha, Bible people. <laughs> Look how mean the Bible really is. And they always throw that one out there. That's accurate. <laughs> that's one of them. That's one of them gotcha quotes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I mean, you know, the Bible never said it was all touchy feely. Never. Nope. <laughs> It, 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 they never published it with a label on the front that said, this is a super nice book all the time. It's like the, the overall, uh, even in all the midst of the bad, the overall message is that you should love each other with right. a lot of nasty things in there. But I mean, you know, like <laughs> you can't fault the Bible or any of the writers or people who assembled it for the fact that it doesn't shy away from the ugly stuff. Like that's mm -hmm. just being honest. Like life it reflects life. People yeah. are mean. So right. It exists. Well, fortunately, in this book, no babies are dashed against the stones. Yeah, there was a baby at the end. I was like, there's a baby bear? <laughs> <laughs> that was the most shocking reveal to me. <laughs> Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and we are rapidly approaching Thanksgiving here in the United States of America. And uh, if you notice, my mood is a little bit elevated since last week. I'll leave it to you to look at the calendar on when this episode dropped and figure that out. But we are approaching Thanksgiving, the American holiday of Thanksgiving. With the American holiday of Thanksgiving comes a lot of cultural baggage if if you live in this country uh, a lot of but a lot of also cultural meaning a lot of historical meaning a lot of religious meaning and a Berenstain Bears book that seems to try to squash it all into one children's story and 
maybe doesn't succeed on all counts. Uh, it's a very weird book. It's 2009's The Berenstain Bears Give Thanks. And to add maybe some more complications to it, this is a Zonder Kids book, one of their Living Lights series. And I was like, I can't touch on things like uh, the, 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 the cultural and emotional and religious implications of celebrating Thanksgiving in bear country without a guest who can just help me touch on the emotional and cultural and religious aspects of celebrating Thanksgiving in bear country. So please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, uh, uh, past guest of the show, the Reverend Lauren McLeavy. Welcome back, Lauren. Hello. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> thanks for thanks for being on the show. Now, uh, we have set up for, you are going to be on uh, two weeks in a row. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, so save, save some of that wisdom for next week as well <laughs> okay <laughs> i haven't read ahead so if this book is any indication what the next one's gonna be like woo doggy well what's funny is like I'm, i've been doing this show for so long i've worked my way through a lot of the holiday books already and i was like well what are the next two thanksgiving books just because i wanted to make sure and get some i usually sometimes i just totally miss thanksgiving entirely so i was like i want to make sure and hit thanksgiving and the next two thanksgiving books are are living lights books they're religious books and i was like well i need i need someone who's not only well versed in religion but also a delight to have on the show and so you were my <laughs> obvious go-to and i was like let's just make it a double header yeah well that's the first thing i noticed on this book was the living lights do you know what that is a reference to what is living like oh you mean like religiously yeah tell me do tell it's from matthew chapter 5 verse 14 and 6 to 16 mm -hmm. jesus says you are the light of the world a city built on a hill cannot be hidden no one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket but on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven and uh, that that but that that quote has been used and misused by a lot of people though well like everything in the bible <laughs> <laughs> If I may be so bold as to make the claim that that Bible verse might have been misused in the past. It probably has. If it's written in the Bible, it's been misused. So then what is the implication of the Living Lights series? That through these books, I would infer that through these books and through teaching your children about Christianity, you are letting your light shine. And what's interesting is, and I've I covered this a few episodes back, is as the Living Light series has gone on, they have included less and less uh, religious content to the degree that one of the books I covered, we couldn't even find anything in it that had anything to do with religion. Uh, mm -hmm. And Mike has gone on record as saying that it's because Living Lights is pretty much just, they just want Berenstain Bears content mm -hmm. and they'll take it any way they can get it at this point. Yeah, and you know, the secularization of the world, etc. Yes, uh, which is interesting because, you know, the Bears didn't start out as religious books. So I, I feel like they always like tend back towards secularism because they have that like that that history behind them. Like they they they'll always start generalizing as opposed to being very specific if you just sort of let them go their own way. Yeah, because I mean, in the end, whether you're having a Christian book or not, you want to sell the books, right? Right. Uh, but if I can be also so bold as to say that I think you can you can teach lessons that are religiously applicable just simply by showing people being good people. 
Yes, that's true as well. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if that is. I, I, I assume that that's true. I guess it depends on what religion you are. <laughs> or what brand of what religion you are. Right. Well, Lauren, this book, The Berenstain Bears Give Thanks, it's kind of all over the place. It is. It starts out, they're going to get a turkey, and then it's about not eating animals, and then it's about the first Thanksgiving. I was like, a lot of twists and turns. I was on the edge of my seat reading it. <laughs> yeah, I was on the edge of something reading it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will say I will say that this book, it was published in 2009. The content, some of the content of this book would have shocked me if I had found out it was written in 1969. It's so dated in some of its representations that I was amazed it got published only 11 years ago. Yeah, I think I, I audibly gasped reading one page, which I'm yes. sure we'll talk about. I was like, <gasps> well, the, the opening splash, the title page, give thanks, the, the splash page that has like, where they sort of like, they always include like a, an illustration that's not literally something that happens in the story, but represents it. You see brother and sister dressed as pilgrims. You see cousin Freddie as a pilgrim with a, like a blunderbuss. And you see honey bear in some kind of bizarre Native American garb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is my, was my first like, oh no, oh no, where are we going with this? With a turkey headdress. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and <It's weird. laughs> I don't know, I mean, I'm not well versed enough in Native American traditions. Also, this takes place in an alternate reality with, with bear people, but... I, I don't I don't think this is a a, a a a culturally specific or accurate costume. Yeah, like the one I used to wear in high school because my school was the chieftains and we Oof. used to run around with those plastic feathers and I do apologize for that now. <laughs> and I also don't know if if uh, if any Native Americans uh, traditionally wore lime green stirrup pants. <laughs> Only the ones in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> only only the ones wearing onesies i guess Ugh. yeah so well why don't we just sort of walk through this book and we can touch on the themes as they come so what does papa bear do for work he makes tables now i <laughs> oh yeah he's a uh he is a, a woodworker he has always oh. been uh, he's, he's a he, he makes furniture basically i never knew that hmm. yeah that's 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 been his job in bear country since the beginning he's uh he's a a carpenter and a and a builder but uh uh, he also he, he seems to specialize in furniture. That's kind of his that's kind of his uh, his bread and butter. Mm. So yeah, so he's hauling a new set of uh, chairs and a table to to Farmer Ben's house. He's designed it for Mrs. Ben. Yeah, that's one thing I you know prickles gives me prickly. Which is Ms. Farmer Ben and Mrs. Ben. <laughs> it's like Mrs. Ben doesn't have a name. What? Well, if, <laughs> if you want really weird bear country lore, uh, Ben isn't his first name really oh hmm. if you look at farmer ben's uh like relations like he looks there's a whole book about his ancestors and their names are like ben zebediah ben this ben that it's very like old world like ben is almost the surname but it comes first that's interesting and then in hebrew ben means son of yep and so. that's kind of how they use it. Interesting. Hmm, I'll have to read that one. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably won't get around to it. Yeah, Ben Avner, Ben Ezra, Ben Noah, Ben Wilmer. Hmm. Those are the Ben ancestors. And so I'm like, is there like... We talked about this in the past. The the fact that Bear Country's religions 
are slightly off from what America's religions are. Like Yeah, slightly, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like I think you 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 identified their church as kind of a weird hybrid uh like Quaker slash kind of like Presbyterian Quaikerism. Yeah. So, you know, who knows what their like what like their traditions were as they like continued in the evolution of their beliefs and thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, that little sound you just made. There's not that many Quakers left around. <laughs> they all step through the uh, through the wardrobe into bear country. That's my theory. Okay, new theory. This is actually a really long time ago. Mm. And since they were all Quakers, they don't induct... They only... Uh, you can only be born into Quakerism, I think. So they eventually all died, and then humans evolved after that. Oh, I see. There you so go. So the, so the, it's sort of a uh, a great old ones theory if the great old ones were a like a very peaceful religious group. Yes, of bear people. Yes, of bear people. I think there's our new there's our new uh there's our new canon everyone. <laughs> so Papa's not getting paid for his hard work and money. He's getting paid in like Farmer Ben's like stuff, produce, mm -hmm. including a giant turkey. Oh, a very yummy looking turkey. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're into that sort of thing, I assume yes. <laughs> uh, What's the turkey's name, Phil? This is where, this is where the book starts getting fun. <laughs> this is where the book starts getting fun. Uh, this is also the first time I set the book down for a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the turkey, uh, so the turkey is named, forgive, I mean, I feel bad even saying it out loud. The turkey is named Squanto. Yes, and he says that was the name of the native bear who helped the pilgrims plant their corn when they settled in their new home. Oh, but keep reading what he says. Yeah. Squanto mm, celebrated the first Thanksgiving with them after their harvest. I couldn't think of a better name for the turkey that I'm going to slaughter and eat later. I, I added that last part. I <laughs> think of a better name for a turkey. You know, they could have left that line out completely. Yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't even think of that until just now. I kind of skimmed that part, but you <laughs> now I, I see it for what it is. So Squanto was historically a, a real person uh, mm -hmm. with a very, very, very complicated backstory and very complicated relationship with the people who came to be known as the Pilgrims. Uh, his story was one of like tragedy and uh, heartbreak and heart and as, as you know with any of the indigenous uh, people living here and uh, he is typically reduced to a storybook character in in our education system and this book does nothing to rectify that yeah kind of like you know what uh, Sacagawea oh yeah she was this little girl who helped them it's like okay <laughs> yeah. yep more than happy to help yeah, sure. Uh, no coercion at all. Yeah. Uh, also, Squanto uh, was not his actual name. Uh, he was a uh, he was a member of the Patuxic tribe. Uh, his real name was, I believe, Tisquantum is how it, it may be how it was pronounced. Uh, forgive me for any mispronunciation, but uh, Squanto was kind of a uh, 
like a, a nickname, I guess, to put it to put it kindly. It's like, hey, I'm gonna call you Lori. It's like I would want to be called Lori. <laughs> I want to be called Lauren. <laughs> yeah, he had also been captured by by monks uh, when he was young. Uh, uh, he was kidnapped actually by a, uh, an English explorer who took him to Spain and sold him. Um, he was uh, he was bought by monks who uh, taught him uh, to speak English. And then he was returned to America, uh, only to find out that all of his entire tribe had been wiped out by an epidemic. So uh, <sighs> tragic, tragic figure uh, in, in our tragic history. And he has been reduced in this book to a turkey. But hey, corn. <laughs> but hey, corn. It's really hard to talk about this book without things going dark. Everyone loves corn on the cob. I mean, right? <laughs> All Papa wants is that is that good, good honey, that grade A honey. Yeah, and but then Sister Bear, no, but then he wants the turkey. But then yes. Sister Bear doesn't want to eat it. So right. We're into that. Um, ben says Squanto can mm -hmm. stay here till Thanksgiving. I'll fatten him up and deliver him all ready for your mama to cook on Thanksgiving morning. Mm, yep, Mama will cook that up. <sighs> uh, now, uh, do you eat turkey on Thanksgiving? Yeah, uh, yeah, usually. What are your thoughts on turkey? It's good. It's kind of like bigger chicken. <laughs> bigger chicken. I know a lot of people who just don't like it, like uh, who who think it's and I and I mean I don't eat it anymore, but uh, I remember it, it really depends on how you prepare it. Yeah, I mean it's it is turkey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a fairly dry bird. Yeah, it's not nothing to write home about, but it's tradition. Uh, and so this is where we find out that sister wants wants the the turkey to be her pet instead of her meal and we discover that some of the cubs in bear country have some pretty unusual pets yeah i want to follow the guy with the raccoon pet i think that would be more interesting right so barry bruin has a raccoon lizzie bruin has a pet goat too tall has a snake and uh papa's like nope turkeys don't make good pets mm -hmm. they just make good Which dinners it might be true but also i do know people who <laughs> I do know people who uh, who have you know like uh, uh, like chickens and ducks as like in their yard like their like city city fowl people. And uh, my neighbor has chickens and she doesn't pen them up. So one was on my porch the other day. I was like, "Hello, chicken. How what is are it you doing, doing here?" <laughs> was it fun to see though? It was interesting for my two year old. He was like a chicken. <laughs> Yeah, we get a lot of chickens and other fowl in the city. And uh, I do know that a couple of people have a turkey that they keep uh, around. Um, and so I guess, you know, like if you if you raise them and you socialize them, I guess they can be, you know, like if not a pet, then at least like a, 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 a non-bothersome uh, companion animal. True, true. And then you can get eggs. Can you? From chickens, yeah. But can you eat turkey eggs? Uh, probably. I never even thought about that. I haven't thought about it either. I mean, you can eat quail eggs. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. they are. I just looked it up. They're totally edible. Hmm. Huh? Oh, well. You just get a thicker egg. Well, go f go for it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, sister's really worried that they're going to have to eat this turkey. And uh, and mom is like, I'll talk to your dad. We'll see what we can do. And In the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Then mama decides to distract sister from her worries by suggesting they put on a play on Thanksgiving morning. <sighs> and this is where things start going I don't want to say completely downhill, but fairly downhill. 
It's the it's the typical American story of Thanksgiving play, except yes. for the one in Adam's family. You know, okay. it's the it's the, <laughs> the one that we do every year. We used to do it at church, and the littlest kid got to dress up as the turkey, and it was as we say, it was terminally cute, uh-huh. uh, if not very accurate or sensitive. Right, um, like Christmas pageants, not very accurate or sensitive <laughs> things either, but cute. <laughs> but at least Christmas pageants have like. I don't know. There's something that's a little less maybe like culturally aggressive and harmful to some of the people being portrayed in the Christmas pageants. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, unless you're a unless you're a a, a magi, I guess, and you feel like you're yeah, being misrepresented. Well, An astrologer, maybe you're like, that's not how it works. They were Zoroastrians. Ah, it's a, which I... is a religion that still exists. If you look it up. Well, there you go. If you're a Zoroastrian and you're in the audience and you're like, hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, I get, I guess, I get. Yeah, maybe I they're guess. just like, maybe they're resigned to it by this point. Because I, I noticed when I was watching that terrible Bohemian Rhapsody movie, uh-huh. um, that they said Freddie Mercury's family were Zoroastrians, mm-hmm. and I was like, sweet, I know what that is. <laughs> Did the movie then go into a lot of detail about what Zoroastrians are? No, they just threw it off. They mentioned it quickly. (laughs) And then there was some really choppy editing and then some... And then they lip synced a little bit and then it was over. And then it was over. (laughs) How did that movie end up becoming like the critical darling? I know, Rocket Man was a lot better. That's what I've I heard. Yeah. Oh, well. Still, still nothing great, but better. <laughs> now we've got that David Bowie movie coming out that's not going to have any David <gasps> Bowie music in it. What? Uh... Yeah. Yeah, apparently they couldn't get the rights to the music. <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> yep. Um, so we're kind of skating around this. But uh, but one thing that came up last night when I was reading this was that uh, the, the indigenous peoples are referred to the entire book as native bears. Mm-hmm. As opposed to native bear countryans or native, yeah. So I assume that this is their like we've we we've called them a lot of things in the past, and now for now we've settled on native bears. I mean, that's at least better than some other things. Yes, and at I least guess. it doesn't it doesn't apply like it doesn't label them with the name of the country they didn't want to have. That's true. Yeah. Like they are native to the area and they are bears, so I guess that's at least somewhat accurate. <laughs> and we know we know that bear country has a has had a native population because in the bear and stained bears go to camp. Uh, the kids go to a summer camp that is awkwardly native themed, uh, all with no actual like indigenous people on staff but they learn a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh of legends and uh, that was our first experience knowing that okay well we know that there were people here before the bears came across from europe so uh, mm. yeah that's like when i went to i went to christian camp in the in the 90s and we had a sweat lodge <laughs> oh boy looking oh, back boy. Just, just not like a great it. thing <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I liked it at the time. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And now I look back and think, wow. That is a that is a heck of a thing to have kids do, though. Uh, well, we were in high school, so like not as as dangerous, but probably not the best thing to do. But even in high school, it's just like, yeah, like it's a little it's a little grittier than a lot of camps will go for. Mm. I liked it, yeah. but uh, I definitely wouldn't do it again unless I was, you know, with some indigenous folks, right? You know, working together on a project or something like that. It's like when people at my church say, "Like, let's have a seder for for Monday Thursday or something," and I'm like, "We're not Jewish, so yeah. no, we're not doing that." If we get the local rabbi to come do it with us, then maybe. <laughs> yeah, we had we 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 had that experience uh, at, at a block party here where. Uh, oh, no. you know, 
because you know alana is jewish and so is mitzi and we were at a, a block party and one of the neighbors you know we had the the chips out and the dip and everything and then the neighbor who was hosting it just launched <laughs> some into bitter a, herbs <laughs> just launched into a, a jewish prayer but in english and mm-hmm. we were like huh and come to find out later she was one of part of one of those movements one of those one of those we're not jewish but we're going to use all your stuff movements i don't mm. even know what they're called it was very uncomfortable uh well when you insert jesus into the torah in the old testament uh it's called supersessionism uh-huh. so maybe something like that like i heard a priest say once a priest in my denomination say when our lord jesus christ came to us as moses and gave us the ten commandments hmm. and i said that's not right <laughs> <laughs> That's actually against like policy that we have as a, as my church po- like politic is, has a policy of no supersessionism. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, do I have to report this guy? I kind of just shrugged it off. But I was like, that was a weird sentence I just heard in a church. <laughs> I don't think I've ever even heard that one. I mean, I've heard like I've heard like people dance around that a lot. And of course, I've heard I've heard plenty of like everything in the Old Testament is you know prophesying the coming of Jesus, but I never heard anyone say that that was just Jesus. Yeah, that's like a super supersessionism. Wow! Wow! <laughs> super duper supersessionism. <clears throat> well. well, Mama Bear decides that Sister's going to do this play, and if Sister's going to do this play, Mama's going to sew costumes for it. Of course, she can whip up what like six costumes in a day. Yeah. No problem. And cook Thanksgiving dinner. On a on an old sewing machine, an old like pedal powered sewing machine. Mama's the unsung hero of Bear Country. <laughs> Is she though? Because she does uh <laughs> she does make these costumes. <laughs> True. I mean in, in that she gets a lot done. She oh, gets yes. a lot done, Mama does. So so we also get to see Sister Bear's like uh writing prowess because Sister Bear pens the script and Brother Bear just copies it down for her. Hmm. It's like okay. I mean, I'm happy that brother's like sure. I'll just be your like your copyist. He's a scribe. That's a big that's, biblical tradition too. Scribes. That's what I was looking for. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> oh, maybe there's deeper meaning to this story than we than we knew. Probably not. <laughs> maybe he's going to be doodling hilarious cartoons in the margins. Or maybe he'll mess up a vowel and then it changes the meaning of the word. And for <laughs> generations, everyone is going to wonder what he really meant. <laughs> No, brother, no. Entire offshoots of the religions will be built around this mistake. Yes, like in the story of Jonah, the fish switches genders. Um, So there's whole books about how he was in a male fish and then he went into a female fish and and the whole thing. And you can imagine how that happened. Oh, boy. I can't imagine how that happened. And I don't want to. (laughs) I'll tell you later. (laughs) I thoroughly don't want to imagine how that happened. Uh But it really changes that VeggieTales movie a lot. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh so the script gets written and you know the bears are no the bears are no strangers to putting on plays they've done it in the past and the cubs are certainly no strangers to mounting plays but uh so grizzly gramps and gran uncle wilbur aunt min and cousin fred arrive and uh and and the play begins Woohoo! i love their mayflower boat that says this side up <laughs> they make the mayflower out of a <laughs> out of a cardboard box they make sales uh sister is dressed as a pilgrim maiden which i don't even know if that's actually a thing mm. uh it sounds I don't, know. I don't know did they refer to their women as maidens 
They may have. Now, I did a deep dive into my old church history notes to find out about Puritans for you. Yeah. <laughs> when we get to how persecuted they were. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. I looked up Pilgrim Maiden, and what I found was an Iron Maiden song called The Pilgrim. All right, great. I always think of the, the Disney TV movie, Mr. Boogity, with the Pilgrim Ghost Woman and her child. Oh, you ever watch right. Mr. Boogity? <laughs> Mr. Boogity. Uh, oh, yeah. There was also Bride of Boogity, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes. The quality dropped a lot between the two films. <laughs> oh, and apparently there is, a, uh, there is a Japanese manga called Pilgrim Maiden, uh, the cover of which features a, 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 an anime woman uh, dressed in religious garb holding a gun with a cross huh. on it, like a like a religious cross, uh, and her clothes are getting shredded off of her. Of course and they she are. Has, and she has a rosary around one arm, it looks like. Uh, huh, interesting. I might so, check that out. So that's Pilgrim Maiden. <laughs> Let me write that one down. Uh, the genres are comedy, fantasy, romance, harem, and supernatural. That's a lot. I kind of I like action mangas better than romance ones. But oh, this looks like it has action and pilgrims. So, uh, <laughs> um, so this is where we get to the play, and this is where things really start getting like over, like simplified in the way that children, of course, are taught it, but also simplified in a way that's not exactly helpful when trying to when trying to parse American history. Yeah, my my husband has a long relative, obviously, that was on the Mayflower. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and they were not pilgrim. They were not Puritans because the Puritans came from England, mm -hmm. but so did... Actually, they came from the Netherlands, but uh, they also, along with them, came plenty of other brands of Christianity as opportunists. Like, there were lots of Anglicans that came over as well as the Puritans. So it wasn't just the Puritans, but we kind of romanticize it. That yeah. they were persecuted, and they weren't particularly persecuted. They were made fun of a lot because they didn't like theater and actors. They thought that that was uh, against God's way or whatever. So they got made fun of a lot in plays and in media of the time. And that's where we get the idea that they only wear black and they're very dour people, mm. which is not necessarily true. I have a note in my church history notes that they drank copious amounts of rum and had many, many children. So yes. they weren't super. Uh, <laughs> dour and lifeless, I guess. Well, what I remember always was that uh, also they didn't wear much black because black material was very expensive and dyeing something black was was uh, a struggle because you had to use a lot of different dyes for it so their clothes were actually far more colorful than we than we give them credit for but again probably mm -hmm. related to that theater tradition of portraying them as as mopey sticks in the mud right yeah and i know well i know that they would not have worn red because they had heavy roots in calvinism and that ah. was a big point for calvinists no red so uh and probably and no buckle hats either that was another thing yeah i mean that those was... are stylish but <laughs> I, mean, I guess uh, <laughs> so yeah so so already we so because brother says like they wanted to worship god in the way they believed was right but the rulers of the old country would not let them do this so they decided mm. to leave their home and seek new land where they could worship in freedom that's not 100 percent true the thing was i'll give you the brief story of the reformation <laughs> Yes. Very brief. So everybody was Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox. That was how it was. Then Martin Luther started his Reformation on the continent. Then in England, King Henry VIII started the Reformation in England, which was a different but parallel Reformation to Luther. Mm -hmm. Eventually, when Queen Elizabeth came, there was so much fighting between the Catholics and the Protestants 
that she made a compromise, the Elizabethan Compromise. So she took elements of Roman Catholicism and the Protestant movement and put them together to make the Church of England. So it's kind of like a middle ground. Yeah. So the Anglican Church and the Episcopal Church in the U.S. are from that tradition now. So the Puritans were the people who thought that that was too much Rome. Mm. So we have all these writings from them. They call it uh, papish trappings or popish trappings, which was a big insult to call somebody popish back then and uh, big fights. So what Puritans wanted the Church of England to be more biblical literalism is what they wanted. They wanted to follow the Bible to the letter. They didn't like singing. They didn't like vestments, candles, crosses were icon, were uh, you know blasphemous icons, that kind of stuff. They wanted the government, because the Church of England is run by the government of England, still is, they wanted the government to change the Church of England to super fundamentalist literalism. Mm. And they said no. So they said, well, we're going to leave now. <laughs> Now, I'm sure they were made fun of, and I don't know if they were hung or whatever. I don't think we were at that point at this point in history. Yeah. I don't have any of that in my notes. Not like when Queen Elizabeth was there and they were burning the Catholics and they were burning the Protestants, you know. Right. They just didn't get what they wanted. So they said, well, we're going to move to a place that's empty and big, and then we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And they and they were grossly underprepared. Right, but when they showed up, they originally thought it was the Garden of Eden or something because everybody was naked and yeah. there was all this like vegetation and stuff. So they kind of thought they had found the Garden of Eden and then they all died. Yeah, th this story, <laughs> the, the Berenstain Bears kind of, kind of breeze past that part. I mean, most people do. They, they, something like 30,000 of them went, and they called it, in my notes, I said, uh, the swarming of the Puritans, they called it, the British people who made fun of them for leaving. Yeah. Between 1620 and 1630, 30,000 people moved to the New World. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work out for most of them. I don't have that information. But then, of course, as they showed up, Everything changed, religion changed, and then the luxury of space made it so that we could have a lot more denomination. Right. But I just thought that was interesting, the Puritans. Yeah. Uh, and so this, and so the, I, so we have this American tradition that we want to fit all these people from Europe into these into this category of like well they they helped quote unquote found the nation and so they had to have been idealistic rebels they had to have been people who were fighting for their own freedom like we want to mm -hmm. we always want to frame it that way uh, especially if we are the the rulers of the nation and these are our ancestors so so this and and so it's children that's how I was taught it like the pilgrims were these morally upright uh people who were being persecuted and they were driven to the you know they were driven out of their countries and they they, they fled to america where the friendly natives helped them grow corn and uh and then they they became best friends and it was all peaceful for forevermore and that's why we're all good friends now uh and this book really does does that pretty much to a t um in fact when squanto shows up and it mm. is and it is honey bear dressed up in in turkey feathers as we said earlier oh me squanto he speaks english what a miracle and <laughs> the line me squanto mm -hmm. i i almost gave up at that point 
I'm sure his English was better than theirs if he was in a monastery learning from the monks. And and they were from like what'd you say, the Netherlands? Well, they were from England, then they went to the Netherlands, oh, and then they went America here. <laughs> he he was yeah, like we don't have any recordings of him speaking, but chances are he was just conversing with them very well. Yeah. Uh not he was not Tarzan as oh, as God. this uh as this seems because it's in this and it's it's that portrayal that like this was a guy who had you know like against his will and violently been shown the world like he has been all over the place he is he is more worldly than these people who just arrived on the continent and but we still insist on portraying him and you know his his relations and his people as as quote unquote primitive when compared to the when compared to the the, the pilgrims so honey bear mm-hmm. is playing him and she's also crawling and speaking in broken english how old is honey bear at this point she's like two two so she can walk my two-year-old walks <laughs> Yeah. Well, she's even shown walking in the uh in the opening page. So Oh yeah. I assume that so in the first time you see her as this character, you see her only in shadow. Like, uh-oh, who's a coming? And then of course they say he speaks English, what a miracle. And I'm like, it's not a miracle. He was kidnapped and forced to like we know this. This guy has a history. This reminds me of St. Patrick. Do you know the real St. Patrick story? Please enlighten us. Uh, St. Patrick was an English lad. He lived in what was Eng- what is England now? What was then, I don't know, Anglia, something like that. He was kidnapped and made a slave in Ireland. So he was sold into slavery in Ireland mm-hmm. as a child. And he escaped slavery, went back to England, became a priest, and the bishop said, Oh, good, since you know all about Ireland, I'm going to send you over there to convert those heathens. <laughs> So he did, uh, and that's the story of St. Patrick. But uh, we always kind of leave that part out. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he came from England, and he converted all the Irish who didn't really want to be converted. That's another story, but whatever. Um, we won't get into forced conversions. I hate that. And then, But I was like, he was a slave, and then the bishop says, go back to the people who enslaved you and convert them now. I don't imagine, I can't imagine how he felt about that. Yeah. It's like, I can't imagine how Squanto or Taste Squantum felt about that. Yeah. He, he did step in, though. Like, he's the real Christian person, Christian right. value person in the story. He didn't have to help these people live. Right. And, but he did. And what did he get for his troubles, right? And we know a lot of, I mean, we do know a lot about his life. Like, there is. This is, a, I mean, I do know that there's also been movies made about the guy. Um, I believe that one of them was called Squanto, A Warrior's Tale, and got mentioned several times on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, Ooh, that means it's good, right? <laughs> it was a Disney film, so you know it's, oh, no. you know it's accurate. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that he is reduced in, uh, and, and traditionally has been reduced, reduced enough in, in, in the American consciousness that as of 2009, we were still portraying him this way as a, as a, as a nearly, uh, as a subliterate uh, primitive, as opposed mm. to a person with his own agency and uh, uh, an education, an education, in classic, a classical education, yeah, like a European education. Also. That I think it's just telling, and that again, two thousand nine. So it says without him they would have starved, which is true, but it doesn't mention that they already had starved. Yeah, that what I don't even know what percentage of people died that came over. I think it's a lot, 50, more than fifty percent. Yeah. Um, but then they they grow all their food and they have Thanksgiving feast 
uh, it says, it says, it says Squanto came to the feast too. Uh, but you know, traditionally, like, I think there was, there was more than one Thanksgiving feast. Um, and I do want to, I do want to take this time though, to ask you about this, the very concept of Thanksgiving, like religiously, mm-hmm. that's a thing, a thing, a Thanksgiving. Like, mm-hmm. like, what does that mean when you, when someone says we are, we're going to observe a Thanksgiving? Um, well, the word Eucharist, which is what we use to describe having the bread and wine mm-hmm. at church, the Eucharist, the Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Uh, it's an old word. We love our old vocabulary in the Episcopal Church. Yeah. I could write a dictionary of strange old words that we use. Um, but Eucharist means Thanksgiving. So the act of our worship is giving thanks to God for the gift of life, basically. Mm-hmm. So what we talk about is that God created us in God's image and gave us agency and gave us the land, you know, the earth to care for. We're here to care for the earth. Mm-hmm. It's not ours. It's God's. And we give thanks to God for all the good things that God gave us in life. And we don't ascribe, my church does not ascribe to the idea that God gives us bad things. Mm. The bad things in life, I say, are the cause of people most of the time. Um, so that's what Thanksgiving really means. It's it's just like appreciating the life that you have yeah. and knowing that it's a gift and we should celebrate it and not waste it. And it's interesting because it wasn't until I was an adult that I had it pointed out to me that the very act of Thanksgiving, we have these three holidays in America that come one after the other. We have, it's the Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas trifecta Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of form the culturally, what we call in America, the holiday season. Um, And there's of course some other faiths and and traditions that have their holidays in there too, but those are the big three uh, 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 culturally. And uh, it was pointed out to me as an adult that Thanksgiving is actually the one that's actually kind of the most religious for people for a lot of just like secularly religiously because the very act of thanksgiving is a religious act uh if you're not thanking a specific person for something you are most likely thanking god like Mm -hmm. a general act of oh thanks like just who are you thanking it's it's something larger than yourself. It is. It is a. It is an entity or a consciousness that is that is outside of you. Who is who has blessed you with these with this good with this good fortune, and uh, and that really that really I don't know. It really sank into me that that we tend to frame Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving as this sort of obser- observation of the pilgrims. Uh, triumph over whatever when when at its heart it's it's a simple act of 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 thanks of thanksgiving i guess of appreciating life and what you have which is why it's it's a family-based holiday you know oh it's so sad that you're not going to see your family or you know especially now i'm not seeing anyone Mm -hmm. for thanksgiving Uh, we're hiding because they're having a road race that day with 300 people running in a 5k or something for some reason i imagine like a i imagine a bunch of like like drag racers like no Oh, that would be interesting. I'm thinking of RuPaul's Drag Race. You're thinking of cars, right? <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking wacky races. Oh, I would like a drag queen drag race turkey trot 5K. That would be so. Then you wouldn't hide from it. No. Well, I, you know, go on the roof and look. Yeah. But uh, 
I mean, the idea of giving thanks is a good thing. Mm-hmm. In theory, we're, we should do that every day, as I tell my parishioners, especially in this, you know, pandemic time and where everything is so uncertain. It's like, try to focus on something positive at least once a day so you won't go nuts. Um, yeah. Instead of doing this traditional story of the pilgrims, the, the kind native comes and helps the pilgrims and they all shared a meal because they were so persecuted they moved from England. Maybe we could actually still celebrate the pilgrims victory just reframe it a little bit like they came to this land because they wanted freedom just true they wanted to do what they wanted Mm -hmm. and they suffered a lot of hardships and they made it through and now we're here it's like okay that's great we don't have to add like this persecution and you know the friendly we were best friends with the native with the indigenous people when we weren't it's like we just leave all that out or just leave pilgrims out altogether (laughs) yeah I, i wonder about that like I think that Thanksgiving is still something you can celebrate at this time of year without having to 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 mix in weird American history. Like I don't think it has to be a a, a, a like a, a a patriotic celebration of anything. I think it I think it's a good idea to slow down in the middle of winter and 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 take take stock of the good things in your life. Yeah, because the re- I think the reason it's in November is because it's after harvest time. Mm-hmm for farming communities. So you're giving thanks that you had a good harvest and then they kind of rolled that in with the pilgrims. Right. Because, I mean, Canada has Thanksgiving mm-hmm. on a different day, sometime in October, I think, right? And I don't think they're talking about Plymouth Plantation. No. <laughs> It'd be weird. It'd be strange if they did. That would be weird. Uh, or Plymouth Rock, which is very small. Skip Plymouth Rock. Go to Plymouth Plantation. Well, and it's interesting because, uh, because yeah, like you said, like other other countries and cultures have Thanksgiving. Like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a ton- it's a Thanksgiving for the harvest. Yeah, it's the end of the harvest festival, or you know, harvest festival, or something. Yeah, let's let's shift in that direction. Let's just it sounds good to me as the lone religious person in my family. Um, I'm happy to not have all the fakey fakey religious stuff thrown in there. Well, disingenuously <laughs> well i know someone who is happy to have all the fakey fake religious stuff thrown in there and he is a turkey and his name is squanto unfortunately because <laughs> oh, no. he doesn't get to be eaten he gets to live he does in the yard uh, at his forever home at the bear's house they decide to adopt squanto as a giant pet and uh one thing that alana said when we were reading this last night was she was like so wait Papa didn't get really get paid for making the furniture. He got paid in produce, but then he ended up with a turkey that now they have to take care of forever. Yeah, Papa's not a shrewd businessman. So it was a net loss on their part. But if you look at the uh, the drawing of Squanto at the end, he has the smuggest look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> like, ha <"Haha>, ha, suckers. <laughs> I am just going to strut and peck and... And you have to clean up my poop yep. and feed me. I'm a giant. Like a cat. Turkey. He's and, like a cat that way. <laughs> and I work in a, uh, well, I don't so much right now, but uh, in an office in a building that is surrounded by wild turkeys. Oh, man. And They're mean. There were times when I would pull up into the parking lot and there'd be like 15 giant turkeys just there. And I would just sit in my car until they moved on because they are huge and they are intimidating and they are aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Massachusetts originally. And uh, that state bird is the turkey, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to to bother them because they're endangered, I guess. So they they rule. They do <laughs> not. They I do not think they are endangered in Minnesota. They are <laughs> they are quite populous and they are everywhere. 
I might have made that up. It might just be that we like them because it's Massachusetts and, and the pilgrims and, you know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so they don't kill the bird. They don't eat the turkey. Instead, they kill a fish. Sure, okay. And eat it. because who- I don't know how a fish is going to feed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least ten bears. It's a big one fish. fish. Yeah, I guess they have a lot of other things. They have ice cream on the table, too. Uh, yeah, they better eat that first, I guess. Cause... An edamame. Do they have edamame? Oh, it looks like that. <laughs> kind of looks like edamame. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I want that for Thanksgiving. <laughs> there was a Berenstain Bears special, and I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it may have been the it might have been the Christmas one uh, where Papa has to learn to respect all life in bear country because he keeps trying to cut down a Christmas tree and every time he tries to cut down a tree there's an animal living in it and he eventually mm-hmm. has to learn that he can't have his happiness cannot come at the expense of other people's lives and other people's happiness so he decides not to not to cut down any of the trees but at the very end they're eating a salmon like this one a giant pink salmon on their table and sister bear is like wait a minute Papa uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you just said that we have to respect all life. What about the life of the salmon? And Papa's response is something like, oh, well, <laughs> anyway. And then the special uh, ends. And it's great. Go ask your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was something like that in the one, the last one I read with you. It's like, what's the, oh, what's the meaning of life or something, Sister Bear asks? Yeah. He's like, uh, let's go to church. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Let's go to church. And obviously the preacher didn't prepare a sermon. <laughs> Uh, And then they give thanks. Then they do their actual Thanksgiving, uh, which is a nice enough prayer. Dear Lord, here we go. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord, we give thanks for all your blessings. (sighs) Is that how you start all of your prayers? Yes. With a sigh? No. (laughs) Well, the idea of blessings is another really complicated uh, topic. Maybe we can save that for next book, which is called Thanksgiving Blessings. Yes. Let's save the blessing for part two of our religious Thanksgiving talk. Um, Mother Lauren rails against prosperity gospel. Dun, dun, dun. Um, But it is a nice... I mean, he acknowledges... Uh, their their warm home for shelter, the love of their family, the beauty of the earth. Uh, and I'll say that if there's one thing the Berenstains were always kind of good at, it was saying, like, we are stewards of this land. Like, the bears always try to come back to, like, we got to take care of our land. They were very environmentally focused. And they wrote a lot of books about taking care of the earth. So I'll give them that. I'll give them props for that. This is a good prayer. It kind of encompasses everything. And my uh, church music teacher in seminary would say, at the end, you got to run up by Jesus. So mm. he would add something at the end. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Run up by Jesus. <laughs> then sister has to invoke the name of Squanto the turkey at the very end. Uh and 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 honey bear gets the last line which is supposed she to says, be honey bear trying men. to say amen <laughs> she yells men and this is the first time i noticed that there was a baby there oh. i wasn't paying much attention reading this i was reading it before church yesterday so i was kind of reading it quickly and then all of a sudden the baby yells men really loud yeah I'm like what <laughs> it sounds like she's like ugh men men i can get behind that and then they tuck oh, into their delicious food Stuffing, cornbread, corn. I'm like, this is making me hungry. Pie, mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. It does make me hungry. I don't know. Gravy, gravy on the fish. That's and the, weird. And then at the very end, there's a series of activities and questions for Thanksgiving. One of which is, in what ways is a turkey a good pet? Oh, God. It exists. <laughs> like, I guess. It takes up space. I don't know. Uh, 
It's, it's not smelly or loud or anything. It's outside. I always remember my babysitter growing up. I guess now you would say daycare. My babysitter across the street. This guy had turkeys in the yard, and we would go visit them in October. Ooh. <laughs> and then in November they were gone. Oh, I wonder where they went. I know. I never knew. And I guess they just went to a farm upstate. Yep, that's that's where I've heard they go. Ha! <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a lie. They go in my tummy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I almost said in my belly, but I didn't want to invoke Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. Something that has aged wonderfully. Austin Powers. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Speaking speaking of things from the early 2000s that we could probably do without. I mean, I'll always have a place in my heart for it because I was in college and, you know, at the time when it came out and it was hilarious. The first Austin Powers, when it was announced, when it first like hit, like the ads hit, I I was in college and I was in a play. Uh, I was in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And there was a moment in the play where I'm supposed to pick up a a photograph and look at it. And someone had replaced the picture in the frame with a picture of Austin Powers, Uh like as a joke. And (laughs) I didn't know what it was because I hadn't seen any ads for it. I was in college. And I almost broke character on stage (laughs) because we forget just how unusual he looked the first time we ever saw him. Oh, stage pranks. When I was on in Jesus Christ Superstar, we gave the the apostles prune juice. Oh no. During that scene. I mean prune juice isn't bad. <laughs> but it was a shock. And then at then as they came off stage I gave them all a, a blow pop. Aw. As a treat. <laughs> Wait, what were you in Jesus Christ Superstar? Leper number one. Ooh. Slash stage manager. (laughs) (laughs) Get on stage. We need more lepers. It was high school. (laughs) Jesus needs more lepers. Uh, I was the number one leper. (laughs) If you needed a good leper, come to me. (laughs) Were you see my eyes I can barely see or see my hands or see my tongue I can hardly talk or? See my eyes. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my one line. Nice. And there, and then uh, my teacher said, "Why did your microphone work and no one else's did?" I said, "We didn't have microphones. <laughs> <laughs> I just took voice lessons." <laughs> it's always good for a leper. Yeah, so I can cry out loudly. Wow, good, good. <laughs> well, you are going to be joining me next week for, as you said, uh, the Berenstain Bears Thanksgiving blessings. And it came with stickers, so my son will be very happy. <laughs> So we will summarize uh, everything we've learned then. But Lauren, uh, thank you for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And if uh, and if our, our listeners want to find out anything else about you, is there any place they can go? Well, I do have a website that I have not updated in like a year. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's therevlauren.com. Nice. Or if you Google uh, St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Port Washington, New York, that's where I currently am, so you can find me there. And are any of your sermons still online? Yes, all of our services are actually recorded now on Zoom. Mm-hmm. So you can watch the whole service um, on the St. Stephen's Episcopal Church uh, website, YouTube page. And I am not, and I am not just saying this, uh, I do listen to your to your uh to your pieces your your services uh oh thank you and <laughs> i find your work uh very inspirational and very charming and uh very very listenable oh thanks it's no uh my musician has learned taught himself over the summer how to collect parts and edit music together so it's our actual choir singing and he does all the mixing it's amazing that's so great that's so great so we we learned how to pivot quick in the pandemic you got to you got to just like the pilgrims <laughs> they learned they learned okay. to pivot 
Um, for everyone else, uh, you can find me at BerenstainBearCast.com. You can find me on Twitter at BStainBearCast. Or you can write to me at BerenstainBearCast at gmail.com or find me on Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash deep in bear country. And we will be back uh, next week if you want to read ahead. The Berenstain Bears Thanksgiving blessings. Lauren, thank you again. Thank you. And I will see you all next time deep in bear country. That's my theme song. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs>